everyone and welcome to the paper fold. I am your host Sarah and as always I'm so happy to be back. I have been a little slammed today as I record this. I'm dealing with my fall stationary trends deadline and then today as the episode drops I will be giving a trends presentation at the annual greeting card association workshop and retreat. The topic is trends I found on the New York Now show floor. And then the following Friday, September 17th, I am giving the keynote for a one-day retreat of the Creative Powerhouse Society with Stacy Bloomfield of Gingerbur. I am so excited, more than a little nervous, and also, as you can probably tell, a little bit entrenched in the work trenches as well. So I am really finding my guest today a breath of fresh air. Many of my listeners will know Kate Smith from her From Frank line. That was a range of greeting cards and gifts uh, born in 2012. Uh, essentially, Kate was into dogs before they got really cool. And her canine messaging and imagery struck a cultural chord in a big way. She was in Target uh, very, very early on, which really almost never happens. Uh, but as she will tell you, infusing your brand with a living creature is not without obstacles. So more recently, she has rebranded into Kate Smith Co. And the tagline, making humans smile, still applies perfectly to her pivot. But what I love most of all is that Kate has designed her business to work with her lifestyle. She and her husband, Ryan, have completely downsized and currently live in an Airstream. I think she really infuses her bright, simple, and very graphic offerings with the wisdom she has gained on the road, as you'll hear from her right after this. Hey, paper peeps. So by now, many of my listeners are familiar with the force of stationary nature, better known as Girl with Knife. But if you aren't, time to change all that. From the first moment I spied her booth at her New York Now trade show debut in 2019, I was smitten with this cutting edge range that the world was calling out for. We all just didn't know it yet. Everything is nimbly collaged to life, slice by careful slice by the talented and exquisite Alicia Castaldi. This stylish collection of cards, journals, and notepads that have sprung to life under this fashionista's exacting knife is sharp, snarky, sleek, and occasionally very sweet, just like that BFF who would love to hear from you right now. For that reason, whenever I get my hands on Girl With Knife merchandise, I hoard it and use it most sparingly. Alicia recently launched Gift Wrap, and if you're already a fan of her range, you're familiar with her patterns and quality, but these super thick sheets elevate any gift from off the rack to atelier. Her recent releases of Midnight Botanical, Rare Creatures, and Chasing Dreams bring the total styles that slay up to 10. And if you're like me and that you fall in love with a range and want to reside in that world, you're in luck. Alicia 
recently unveiled Knife House, which was one of the few good things I can think of that came out of 2020. That was when Alicia shifted her operation from LA to this newly renovated concept home in Palm Springs. This completely private, walled and gated estate features panoramic mountain views and countless looks surprises. Take a tour through its magnificent blush pink doors at www.knifehousepalmsprings.com or find it on Instagram at knifehousepalmsprings. Good luck getting your jaw off the floor as you take in this perfect California adult playground. These glamorous digs are available for photo shoots, film projects, special events, and short-term rentals. But just as importantly, all that exquisite Palm Springs flora and fauna have inspired Alicia's soon-to-be-released journal and notepads. She tells me that they're also expanding into home decor, which I, for one, absolutely can't wait to see. So now that you've glimpsed this wonderful world, you need this cutting-edge lifestyle brand in your life. Find Girl with Knife in hundreds of shops across the U.S. and half over half a dozen countries. Alicia and Girl with Knife have also been featured in New York Magazine, L.A. Business Journal, BuzzFeed, and, of course, Stationary Trends. I've run her work there countless times. Alicia was one of our 10 designers to watch in 2020 and proceeded to live up to that designation when last May, two out of her three nominated cards took CHOP honors at the Noted and Noted Virtual Greeting Card Competition. Then, for our winter 2021 issue of Stationary Trends, Alicia designed the 10 designers to watch frontispiece for us. It is something else if you haven't seen it yet. Also, as of 2021, Alicia is represented by none other than the Daniel Richard showrooms in Atlanta and Dallas. Dan's eye is renowned in this biz, so his representing Girl with Knife is unsurprising, but it also means that this brand needs to be on your design radar stat. Check out this beguiling range at the recently refreshed girlwithknife.com. Right now, the theme is Season of Fierce, and I think we can all use one of those about now. I guarantee your stationery will slay. I have Kate in the paper fold. Welcome, Kate. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Um, so you established your wildly successful greeting card company from Frank in 2012. Um, it was centered around your French bulldog, Frank. And by doing so, not only did you prove once and for all that you were into dogs before they were cool, <laughs> but you also showed that, you know, there was a certain strength in just like these character driven um um, greeting card ranges, which were really, really um, novel at, the, at that time. So I have to ask, uh, what compelled you to create a greeting card range around your dog? Well, so that is a question I get asked a lot, <laughs> not surprisingly. <laughs> but um, so I always say that um, it started because my husband and I, so Frank had a um, personality that just begged to be like talked for. Um, if you know a Frenchie, if you've ever had a Frenchie, they are silly little creatures and they have opinions and they have their own brains and um, they're more like a little tiny fuzzy human than they are like a canine. So 
we, my husband and I would talk for him. Like I think most dog owners do, but maybe just don't admit to it. Um, and so in the kitchen, we would do this and we thought we were just hilarious, you know? And so we kept doing it for so long and we thought, well, like maybe other people will think this is funny too. Um, and I had a background in graphic design. And so it seemed like the simplest way to get something out there was a folded piece of paper. Um, it seemed like that shouldn't be too hard, right? And right, right. <laughs> it's the simplest thing to, I mean, like sure. if you're going to make a product line, it, the easiest thing in the world is to just get a printer and sure. It's, it's actually more complicated than it sounds. But... <laughs> yes, no, but that... no, no. There is more to it. But at least you're not like getting a made in China or yes. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, or we didn't decide to like make a car, you know, like that. Right, would right. <laughs> Let's start with a car <laughs> about our dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And we know what we're doing. So um, <laughs> that is how we started. Um, I had, like I said, a background in that. And we thought, well, I don't know how to write a greeting card. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I think we have a thing that, you know, resonates with people. So let's just give it a try. Um, and yeah, we came up with a 50 card line that we launched at the National Stationery Show in 2012. Yeah, yeah. And I, re I remember your booth and I, I I remember it. I mean, you, you guys came out uh, kind of like a bat out of hell and it was like, <laughs> really different uh the style of it was very distinctive we'll get to, into that and um and from the start you not only did you hit the ground running you hit the licensing ground running you chose you know you really chose that as your path and you had over 11 or no you had 11 partners sorry for from frank in a year so that's pretty impressive. <laughs> and uh, what, <laughs> what made you decide to take that path from the gate? So it's, it was an accident, I think. Um, <laughs> a so happy like accident. I, yeah, like I said, we were still figuring out how to make folded pieces of paper at this point, um, <laughs> you know, and like get them out there to the world. So like, we had no clue what licensing was, you know, but we were here, we were in New York um, at this booth and there was a lot of other people that did. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so, so here we are trying to be like, yeah, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we, at our first show, we were lucky enough to get, I guess, found or I don't know. I guess that's the right word. By discovered, you were discovered, discovered like Lana Turner at the soda. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, so recycled paper greetings walked through our booth and so did Target. Wow. Um, you could do a lot was, worse. We didn't actually know because, you know, at, at the shows, they like keep their badges really like turned around. And sure. so you never know like who you're talking to. But um, they ended up coming back to us and saying, you know, we love this line. Target loves this line. We obviously have cards. You know, we own that not own it, but we dominate that space in Target. Sure, and sure. we'd love to do um, a 12 card boutique collection with you in Target stores nationwide. Wow. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's huge. That's who knew that talking for your dog 
which uh-huh. which everyone knows about now, but at the time, that's amazing. So it was, was it like, was it like one of those things where you hear like you people, like musicians have their whole lives to write their first album and 10 minutes to write their second album? Was it like that kind of situation? Well, so we, we definitely, we took our best sellers um, and we were definitely ready. We had a lot of content, um, Mm -hmm. but what we had to learn was first of all, what licensing was and what that meant (laughs) and what this new relationship was going to look like. Cause you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd love that. Like, what is this and what are we going to do? And, and we were still very much invested in like manufacturing and distribution at that point. Um, And we realized that like having cards in target wasn't always so like copacetic with boutique stores right like a lot of boutique stores will be will say um as i'm sure you heard but for any of our listeners like oh Mm -hmm. well if you're in target why would i want you in my store correct it kind of they lose their niche or they lose like that Mm -hmm. special thing Mm -hmm. um you know, or and some, not all see it that way. No, no, yeah, no, not all of them, but I, there are some. You know, whatever the complaint is, you're going to hear it from some. Yes, <laughs> and so that was something new that we had to navigate, and we ended up um, taking those twelve cards that we had given Target, and then taking them out of our boutique line, so that we could tell people, you know, it's still from Frank and Target, but you're going to get different cards. They were exactly the same, although they had a clear thermography over the Dynamo tape which kind of gave it a nice raised feel, but, um, Oh, that is, yeah, nice. Were, that is nice. That yeah. Is nice. They were great. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of like a really weird unicorn experience I think to have in your first year. Um, but yeah, that's how we got into licensing. It was kind of more that we wanted to be in target. So we figured it out. <laughs> right. But licensing found you. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, go now, especially now they'll go into the business, you know, just wanting to license. And like, that's pretty much, you know, right. the dream is having recycled paper, like notice you on day two. <laughs> right. And I remember walking the show and like, I couldn't find a lot of people that were doing licensing, to be honest with you. Um it was kind of more rare, I think, when we started. Yeah. I mean, like, there was there were a lot of, like, I feel like 2012, and my memory could be a little spotty, there was a lot, it was very maker-driven still, but it was, like, a little more artisanal. Like, letterpress was still very yes. big. Like, so you were kind of doing something a little bit out of left fields, <laughs> yeah, which we is good. Which is, that's a compliment. Yeah. No, that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, In this definitely. field, you want to be the weirdo, which is mm-hmm. probably why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely no other talking dog card lines when we go to <laughs> We are the only talking yeah. dog card line. <laughs> Hey, Paper Peeps. So Kitty Meow Boutique has been a fabulous client of mine for a while now. So hopefully many of my listeners are familiar with not just the dazzling wares from this Chicagoland house of paper, but also its amazing founder, a force of nature better known as Catherine Hildner. This mom of two with another scheduled to arrive soon has created a most intoxicating stationary range. I define the Kitty Meow aesthetic as polished and very smart. Think of the sharpest outfit you own that you feel like a million bucks in, but 
in stationary form. Everything from typography to envelope choice comes together to pack a most enticing punch. But this range is not just about the surface. It's about honoring those connections with those we care about most. And you'll see once you visit kittymeowboutique.com that the wares are divided into witty and sweet because, as Catherine puts it, sometimes you feel a little saucy and sometimes you don't. But Kitty Meow Boutique is so much more than just another pretty face in the marketplace. The empowering messaging found on her cards, invitations, journals, coasters, art prints, and enamel pins elevates the range into something that makes you feel not just seen, but good about yourself too. Everything is essentially a little lift visually and emotionally for not just those you love, but you as well. Not only is Kitty Meow available for your personal shopping needs, it's also available wholesale to all those shops looking for something new with which to excite their customers. She's on FAIR. Visit kittymeowboutique.fair.com and get your shop started. Finally, I think what I love about Catherine most is that she is really all about living your best life, as you'll see for yourself beneath the education tab on her site. She offers KMB Signature Collective, a mastermind for women in the product-based business world who have a love for paper and giftable items, who have an idea and a plan, but need guidance and support to be successful in their efforts. I so agree with Catherine. It's so important to be surrounded by like-minded women and leaders who are willing to put in the work to lift each other up. For that reason, it's not a course. It's a friggin' transformation, people. And Catherine has also started my second favorite podcast, Dreams to Plants, with another brilliant force of nature, my girlfriend Renee, to elevate your daydreams to actual tangible plants. Oh, and if you're on Clubhouse, follow Kitty Meow so you can tune in to her weekly room Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called Small Business Savvy, Insider Secrets You Need to Know. I checked it out for myself last week, and it was just the dose of inspiration and confidence my day needed. So get those good vibes going at kittymeowboutique.com and tell them Sarah sent you. You told me you did run into some difficulty um, creating a corporate brand around your dog. Um, I would love to hear you expand on that. <laughs> yeah, so there's just some things that you don't think about. Like, you know, when you're having this initial idea and you're like, yeah, we'll make a folded piece of paper and we'll make our dog talk. And then you're like, you don't expect, you know, things to take off so quickly. I think you maybe hope for it, but you don't expect it. Um, and so what I quickly realized as we were going along is, oh my gosh, my characters are alive, <laughs> which also means they can die. <laughs> oh no! Oh God! Yes. Okay. And that was something that like, after the fact, I was like, why didn't I just draw a cartoon? Um, and like, a lot of people do. And a lot of people do for that reason. Um, 
for that yeah, control, like, that like mortal control. <laughs> it was part of what made it special because the story was true, you know, like mm-hmm. he really had these these friends. They really lived on his block. Um, and for people that don't know, I guess, our initial brand, it was my dog, Frank, a French bulldog. Yes. And then he had four friends that were that helped him make humans smile. It was an English bulldog, um, a black lab, a little tabby cat, and then a fluffy kind of mutt dog named Lulu McFluff. And so they were his real friends. They lived in his real neighborhood. It was like as real as it could get. And I think that was part of what made it special. Um, But as we went along, I hadn't thought, oh, like all these dogs, some of them were like mid-age when we started. And I'm sorry, so like, I'm laughing and that's no, not it's fine. It's funny. You have to laugh. <laughs> you can laugh at my pain. It's fine. <laughs> Very far removed from it now. But uh-huh. you, you like realize that you're like, oh my gosh, like I should probably start taking a lot of pictures here because you know, Big Louie <laughs> is knocking on the door. <laughs> and so I would, I would like sit there and be like, I would have thousands of pictures of these animals. And um, so that perp that I had a challenge because Frank, the first Frank passed away um, when we were sort of at the peak of our licensing. And so like right in the middle of our He died at the apex of his fame. Oh, Uh man, I'm sorry. On several levels. It was rough for many things. Yes, you're right, on several (laughs) levels. Um, It was rough because, number one, we were in the middle of writing a book called Don't Fart When You Snuggle, which was Frank's advice. (laughs) for how dogs could make their humans smile and so I had to literally look at his picture every day and be like okay we're going to remove this one because he can't take a picture now you know so that was rough from a personal standpoint and then the other rough part was like okay so we have 11 partners (laughs) that are expecting products and content yeah you know you can laugh it's funny now time I was kind of grabbing my pants. Well, yeah, and- yeah. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. you created like a children, like it's almost like a children's book pro a children's TV show property. It reminds me of something like my child would have watched in like pre-K, but mm-hmm. it's a line and but it's living and breathing and it's not yeah, in it, a studio. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we kind of did the lassie thing. So I I really researched like Rin Tin Tin and like Lassie. And I realized, did you know there had been like, I think I'm not I'm gonna get the number wrong, but like eleven lassies. Right, like, right. They're half yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they're boys, not girls, too. So like it made me feel a little better. I'm like, okay, like this is a thing that happens. I'm not pulling the wool over people's eyes. Like this is just a thing. And so we scoured the internet for a puppy that we hoped would grow up to look like our adult <laughs> Frank. And then flew across the country um, to pick up this little eight-week-old Frenchie. Oh. Uh huh. And, <laughs> and and then after that happened, of course, we kind of started losing the other characters as dropping like flies too. I so, mean, it's only you can only keep the band together for so long, you know, right? It was it was rough, and I think now there's like two that are still oh. that are still kicking. But um, yeah, that was definitely <laughs> something I didn't think about going in um, was that, oh, for this actually to live on, like, I will then have to find characters that live on. And, and so it was, it was a challenge. Um, yeah, I sure. bet. I mean, I'm starting to wonder if there were like four Mr. Eds and, you know, because <laughs> yeah, like... there probably were and probably like, yeah, for sure. Um, but it was so funny because we, um, as Frank too, 
who is still around he's still with <laughs> us but frank 2.0 got older he was almost like a like a silver spoon baby so he was born with like this level of success like a child star right you know, like, like he got everything handed to him he didn't yeah, work for any of he it he didn't work for any of this and so <laughs> he just gets born into this like legacy and um so yeah, he, but I would say he fulfilled his shoes pretty well. Like he learned to act like it. So we had him like acting at like eight months and he did a whole Aww. video series. Aww. And um, to the point where like, if, if we would have the camera come out, he would be like, I'm ready. I'll be in my bed. This is the green room. And if you just let me know when you need me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah. he grew into it. I mean, you, you groomed he him. Did. You literally groomed him. <laughs> he did. And he, he has been a fantastic Frank 2.0. Um, yeah. He did trade shows. I think before he was like one, we took him to Atlanta and he did like an Inesco trade show. Oh, um, that's really that's really that could have yeah. gone south with a lot He's of ways. a good boy i know Aww. so it did work out and weirdly <laughs> enough like it was funny i don't know if dogs if they're just so similar because of chance or some weird karma in the universe but my <laughs> i've made them both kind of weirdly neurotic and my, i asked my told my grandma one day i was like mimi the dogs like frank 2.0 is so similar to frank two, or one and she's like well honey he has the same owner <laughs> Oh, <laughs> throwing shade, but you're probably no, right, Grandma. <laughs> what do they have in common, dear? Yes, that's the <laughs> that wisdom coming at me. Aww. You eventually did, you know, feel the need to, you know, have a transition too from Frank to Kate Smith Company. I mean, it must be a lot easier um, having basing your corporate brand around yourself and not, you know, just me. I have to worry about dying. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, technically, then it'll be someone else's problem. So, yeah, right. <laughs> my husband will be like, so right. oh my gosh, what do I God. do? God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> I can't design. <laughs> It'll just be the same launch for like ten years. <laughs> um, so, so, but you took your, you know, you sort of were in a position where you took what you had started and mm -hmm. sort of re invented it and i love that you know you took your tagline um you know which always was making humans smile but you sort of like reinvented um what that means and frank ends up being just frank and frank point 2.0 ends <laughs> up being just one stop uh, you know on this journey so as a creative i'm curious how do you use your tagline to guide your new releases and your new sort of rebirth so that was the one thing that I finally realized during that transition. So from Frank sort of peaked and we realized we mm -hmm. needed to pivot, um, which meant I needed a platform where I could, I have, I have tons of ideas and from Frank wasn't allowing me to express all of them. Um, and I needed also a platform that would allow me to kind of like zig and zag. And if one didn't hit perfectly, I had another one in the hopper and just like to provide right. me with some more longevity. A little um, more open-ended. Yeah. I mean, from yeah. Frank is amazing, but in, mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, you painted yourself into a yes. corner. Uh, so, but yet you were able to sort of like take what you had already created and be like, okay, I'm still making humans smile. And that guides everything that you put out. So yes, correct. So I realized that 
making humans smile, like if I boiled things down was the core of what I was trying to do as an artist. Um, and Frank and dogs in general were just one way that I saw mm -hmm. as being a really powerful way to make a human smile, but there were other ways too. Um, and so becoming Kate Smith Company allows me to, I guess, kind of explore these other simple, easy ways that are all around us and then translate them to paper in kind of new and fun ways. And, and it just like widens, it expands, I guess, what, um, what and how I can make humans smile. And so it was nice to, to realize that, you know, that, oh, actually what I was doing wasn't off base. It was just a step in the process. Right. 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 And look, I mean, if you look at other creatives careers, you know, you look back and you see that they, you know, they'll try one thing and then they'll modify it and sort of like mm -hmm. rework it and, and try it another way. But I feel like with a tab, you know, like once you have that, you know, mission or your, you know, like your brand, yeah. like sort of boiled down to a couple words, like everything else, it's a little easier uh, to fall into place. However, you really, really visually pivoted and reinvented your range. Um, I, <laughs> you told yes. me it took two years. It's, it took two years. So this was not. Yes. Uh, I think, I think to go back to your point though, I do think one of the things that I've realized and I, I hope other artists can take from this is that like, I think as artists, sometimes we think, oh, I need to establish my voice and look and feel, and then I've done it right, and that's it. Right, and if it doesn't right. work, then I guess I just don't work. And, right, and I guess I failed. It couldn't be farther from the truth. And what I, what I think we miss and I like to glean from other sort of artists like musicians and comedians is like, for example, Taylor Swift is an artist and she has done a country album, a pop album and a folklore album. These are not the same thing, but she's Taylor Swift. And to me, I think more artists should give themselves permission to, to change in that way right, right, and to right. put out different chapters of work and put out different volumes of work. And that is just you evolving, you having ideas, you playing, you exploring, you trying things and failing. It's just part of the process. And I think the more that we can allow ourselves to, to play in that way or mm -hmm. give ourselves permission to try things and fail or succeed, the more that we grow as an artist. And I think we feel less stuck. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here, here. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You know, you, I mean, on the one hand, people are like, oh, what is your brand? Who is your audience? And you feel like you have to, you know, marry yourself to like this mm -hmm. very distinct look, but, you know, and, and you do for a little while, but you know, yeah. it's fine to move on and grow. Look, even Picasso had a blue period. Yeah. Like if, if people right. were just like, oh, all he does is blue. Like <laughs> he would have done all this other stuff. So I think it's right. I think it's, you know, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I totally see it. Um, but then again, visually reinventing, I mean, um, from Frank has a very, very distinctive look with the, I, you use the word and I always forget. I always want to say dynamo it's ticker type. tape. I always yeah, call it ticker type. tape. <laughs> dynamo type. It's the dynamo type. If you grew up in the seventies, like I did, yep. you would have these things and like you would put your name on all your books and it's just this real distinctive it's white type on black things. And, you know, it would all, it would be a photo with a pithy copy on front and it would continue the dynamo type tape. It continued inside as well, didn't it? We yes, it did. It was our, yeah. yep. 
Yeah, that was all through. But I mean, you know, now your aesthetic is totally different. Not that your tastes have changed, but your look, your look has. Yes, um, for sure. So, so I want to hear a little bit about it, like how you arrived at it and sort of like how it evolved. And like I said, you told me it took two years. So I know that yes. didn't, you didn't just well, wake up. No. And, and I mean, I think part of the reason why it took two years was also me like dealing with like from Frank not happening exactly how I was expecting it to go, you know? Um, and I think, but that's okay, you know, but it's me learning that like, um, you know, just because it doesn't go as it was expected to go, doesn't mean that wasn't it. There's a bigger picture here, you know? Right, so, right. so yes. Um, so yeah, it did take two years and it was really me, um, kind of fumbling around out loud so like I was still, I, at that point I didn't have, so like to back it up, I spent four years building from Frank before I launched it. And wow. that was me work, okay. working at an advertising agency and doing it in the weekends and evenings. And I would do like focus groups and I would do business plans. And like, literally I probably had the most buttoned up launch of a dumb card line that you've ever seen, like way more than you need. Or like, I had like a mission statement and like a business plan. That's and, like, awesome. That's awesome. But that explains why everybody walked in and we're like, okay, we'll take yes. those in cards. I mean, otherwise it's yes. not ready for target. I mean, if you think about the average right. person who showed up. Right. So the second time around, I didn't have that luxury of having an income and the time to spend. And so I spent a lot of time just being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to like pivot here and I'm going to have to do this out loud. And that is terrifying to me as someone who really likes to come to the plate, like looking polished Prepare, and like, I know what I'm right. doing. Even right. when I don't, I love right. the work No, I'm like the I same do. way. I'm the same way. Like I just, yeah. to me, that's a very embarrassing. It is. And it's like, as someone who. I, yeah, I've just always been like a real like fake it till you make it kind of a person. Um, you know, like when we started from Frank, I remember we reached out to Daniel Richards, which is a big. Rep. Sure. Yeah. No, that's the showroom. If you that's the showroom to get into, if you want to yes. show in Atlanta or Dallas, like that's mm-hmm. that's it. That's yeah. the. And I remember avenue. Dan called me and he he was like, um, I had sent him a catalog and on, we had a store list. And it was three stores. And he goes, are you, are, is this for real? Like, are you in three stores? And I was like, yeah, I goes, I have a problem. And he goes, you look like you're in 50 or like more like you, he's right. like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no. And he, I'm like, can you help wow. us get in more stores? <laughs> and coming from him, that's like the nicest thing he could possibly have said yeah. to you. Right. Like and he's, with yeah. his background. That's awesome. Yeah. So well, he has such a good eye. And just to illustrate that I am a fan of faking it until you make it. Um, <laughs> that is kind of how we went into From Frank is like we looked like a brand that had been way more established. Um, so getting back to this question, I didn't have that luxury this time. Right. And so I sort of spent those two years. The two years didn't necessarily. It was me fumbling. It was me trying things. It was me playing. It was me mourning things. It was me just like having all the feels as an artist um, and working through some things. And so we, at the same time, also decided to upend our life. And we sold um, like 99.9% of everything we owned. Yeah. Airstream. (laughs) (laughs) 
full time <laughs> because having it. a business crisis wasn't enough. We thought we would just have a life crisis as well. Um, <laughs> so during this time, I was still very much like exploring what the pivot was going to look like and what I was going to do. And um, I think the transition in our life really inspired the look and feel and also helped me boil things down of what I wanted to take from, from Frank or like what themes I wanted to come through and also what was important to me now. Um, So the things I think that I took were, Uh I'm still into simple. Like I still love simple art. I still love imperfect art. Like Uh to me, I am so not a perfect art person. Um, Uh I love it to have that humanness of bumps and asymmetry and just things like that. Um, and I yeah, still no, I, am inspired by like a 60s, 70s vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I oh, I totally like, get it. Yeah. It's a quirk and it's like got so much personality. Um, and so. Yeah. Those... And that makes sense because the from Frank look was very like shag carpet and mm-hmm. 70s furniture. Mm-hmm. Like it's very Brady Bunch. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, and, yes. Uh, and this is this is still like kind of 70s, 60s, but a different mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. Um, Icon iconography for lack of a better term makes right. total sense. And the simplicity is, I mean, I love it. Yeah. And it and it mirrors the simplicity of your life and downsizing and looking. I mean, because I know when you downsized, you looked at like all your possessions and were like, Do I need this? Do I want this? Does it make me happy? And mm-hmm. you know, having that kind of process with your um stuff and doing it with your other stuff, you know, what you make, it must, it must've been interesting to have those kind of happening at the same time. It did. And it actually overflowed into what I made more than I thought it would. Um, there was a point where I started taking pictures of letters as we would travel and we love little towns. So like, they're usually towns where people, um, have hand painted like an orange shine and it's like <laughs> a situation where it's like Earl painted it and he ran out of like ease and so he just chops the bottom thing off the F you know or he turns the M over and now it's a W like it's just like people who don't care or like who are just you know and I they just I need a sign <laughs> yes and it I, I just became obsessed with this like imperfect signage, this very human signage. I and love so- it. I love it. And I love walk. I, the, you're reminding me of Walker Evans, um, mm-hmm. you know, who it was spent the thirties taking photographing and collecting signs, um, around America. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I love, I love it. it. Now that I'm looking at your spit, I mean that, okay. Now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I took these letters and I, what I, I didn't know what I was going to do with them at the time. And I think if there's a lesson there, like if you feel some sort of weird thing in your belly and you're like, I need to do this, but I don't know why just do it. Like trust that because it will work out. And I think it's a message that you're, something's trying to tell you and you should listen because now these letters I've pieced them together and I've made fonts out of them. Wow. So some yeah. of these, so all of the fonts on my um, latest collections that we've had in Target are uh-huh. all pasted together and inspired from these signs from like Taos, cool. New Mexico, Durango, Colorado, um, tiny little places. And um, I think that there's just a humanness in them that I'm never going to just recreate on my own. So. Wow. Well, you are. I mean, you are. But like when I look at your logo, like the Kate Smith Co., that's you've lettered that that's that's your lettering but is it like borrowed or was that take it was that like how did that like what's the it story is there? my lettering 
it's old. Let's just say that. So, oh, but it's we... so cute. I love it. I really love it. <laughs> it is actually in the process of getting refreshed. Um, ah. But that's just part of living out loud. It's part of like growing out loud. And is one of the things that I've realized that like, yeah, I'm going to make a logo in the beginning because I have to start there. And it's not going to reflect me in probably five years, hopefully, because I've grown and changed and mm-hmm. it does need a refresh at this point. So yeah, that was lettering that I was doing at the time. And I think it served me well, but we are definitely in the works on a refresh um, at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it works. I, I, you know, I think, you know, creatives are never like really happy with what they're doing. And I think if you give yourself permission to be like, okay, it's good. It's okay. It's not exactly how I pictured it in my head, but it's good enough for now. And I can live with it. And I I will give myself permission to change it later when I come up with another idea. That's, I think you have to be, you have to kind of not make things too precious. And the way that I like to do that is I like to work in collections because so to me, when I create like an in cap of cards, there's 18 cards and not all of them are going to be bestsellers. And that's okay with me if three to four are, and then we've got some middle ones too. And to me, like that's always helped me like put out bodies of work and not be too precious with them because I know that like, they're not all meant to be top sellers. Um, Right, right. Those are, you know, that you can, and I don't even, I would even make the argument that you cannot get the top seller without all the other parts. So, I mean, because you're not going to succeed without throwing a lot of crap at the wall. No, it's like, so it's exactly what you're saying. Like comedians, they go and work things out on stage before they do like a big special. And to me, that's like what, what a collection is like working in big batches is you working crap out. Um, Right. 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 And you're only going to have two really good zinger, you know, like even when you see a comedian, you'll be like, I laughed all night, but like, I remember two funny, you know, like there were two spots that I really remember that like is going to be an inside joke with whoever right. I went with me. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So one thing that I think is so cool is that the, the fact that you've always taken this licensing role or licensing route rather really, really lends itself well to your light, your Airstream lifestyle, where you've told me that um, you, you do fulfill online orders, but it's all about the bin under your couch. So you have one bin, <laughs> Like, can you talk a little bit about that business model? (laughs) Yes. So um, when we started licensing with From Frank, we realized that we enjoyed it. We realized that it suited um, our strengths in that I'm really a a creative and idea person. And I don't necessarily need to know how to manufacture a journal perfectly, nor do I really want to um, spend the time doing that. And I would rather spend my time just having ideas on ideas on ideas and licensing kind of allowed me to do more of that and forget some of the things that I didn't like so much. And so as we um, moved into the pivot to Kate Smith company and we were kind of upending our life, we realized that like we needed to move the business fully mobile. And that meant licensing, like getting both feet into licensing. And so um, we, moved everything to the licensing model we you know cut connections with some of our like long-term manufacturing and distribution um, partners and we 
<laughs> do still sell online and it does come from a bin under our couch. <laughs> But so anybody is... who orders from her, it's from a bin under her couch. She personally put it in there and yes. took it out and shipped it to you. Yes. You have to remove to move an ottoman and a booth tray and <laughs> you have to so it's like we but definitely yeah. I... and if you want to rob her, you'll never find it. So yes. you have to order it. <laughs> So yeah, we um, are almost all, I would say we're like 99.9% licensing. And then that 1%, we still have a presence online because with licensing, it's very hard to tell somebody, hey, my card could be at a, uh, you know, one of these three major stores. And if you go turn over 50 of them and look at the back, you might find one of my cards. So it's, you know, you need to have a place where some people can go to. Right, right. Right. buy your stuff and so that's right. why we keep and, an online presence and i think the market is the way that card people work they they sort of are getting smart about artists and they are like realizing oh i respond to this work who is it can i go find more can i find their right. instagram feed like it really really is um we just have like a really smart audience and um they're they're getting visually smarter um just as hopefully the rest of us are <laughs> so, right and I think so, people are realizing too that like a human has made this, you know, and like right. flipping things over to realize and like also to like lift them up too. I've seen that a lot more where people will be like, yeah, this is at Target, but Target didn't make this. Like, let me, you know, right. Like the they worked. That did. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Target is pretty good about applauding its makers you know like it doesn't yes. pretend it's not like it's not like disney in the 40s where they just pretended like they made everything so um they're, they're really good like that i mean uh one of i just did a webinar for stationary trends and uh we had uh pay from the paper and craft pantry in austin and she was saying how they separate all their they don't put all their makers together but she started noticing people walking up to the counter with like all cards from one maker so oh. people are like falling in love with someone and then looking around the store and finding all their stuff and so to me that says like you know whatever your vibe is your your tribe mm -hmm. will, you know if you're good your your tribe will find you you know right. so so um, I love the fact that you um, downsized and simplified. I'm really jealous. I would love <laughs> tiny living and I feel like I just have way too much stuff in my house and I really, really want to get rid of it, especially if you have a child and you don't keep up on it because like we have stuff that she hasn't played with in years that we just have not gone through. And part of it's because of COVID because we can't just have a garage sale, but whatever. <laughs> but I mean, to me, every time I've done a major um, um, purge of possessions, like I always feel better and freer and just sort of like unchained. Um, yes. So, you know, you told me dogs were one way to show how easy happiness is to attain and that it is all around us. I want to hear about the happiness of simple living and the joys of downsizing. Yeah, that's been honestly my biggest game changing takeaway from all of this is um, what it made me realize is so look around at your things. Want what you have. If you want what you have, you are so you're immediately rich. Like it's such a game, like a like a like a switch in your brain. If you right. want what you have, 
if this is the cup that you've always wanted right here, and if this is the bed that you've always wanted, like, if you want it, you're rich. And to me, it's like, it's such a game changer um, and a lesson in gratitude. And um, I think when you have less stuff, that just becomes a lesson that you learn potentially because you will fill the space that you have. And having less space means that you're much more intentional with what you bring in um, and you only bring in things that bring you joy or serve a purpose. Um, And I realized from living this way that I was drawing happiness from like much more simple things. And, and honestly, much of the things that I thought made me happy weren't, and it was actually much more simple and much less, you know, it was my, it was time with my husband. It was my dog. It was warm sunshine on my face in the middle of winter. It was time outside and fresh air. It was somebody remembering my name or somebody (laughs) greeting me like they had known me for like 10 years or um, it was just tiny little things. And I think boiling it down and, and, and also putting, I mean, we move around a lot too. So there's just an element of like, things are always changing. And, um, and I kind of just realized that like happiness is in the little things. Happiness is, is a mindset and happiness isn't as hard to achieve as we think it is. And I say these things and, and please don't think that I have this figured out or that I do this perfectly. Like it is a lesson that I am, <laughs> I am currently working on. Yeah, we're all, it's all, we're all works in progress here. <laughs> yes. So just know that anything I'm putting into the world, is like, this is what Kate's currently working on as well. Right. Right. Um, right. Uh, that's, and that's wonderful that you can be so honest and transparent mm-hmm. about your process. I just think things end up owning you. Like you just get too much yeah. stuff and they end up owning you and weighing you down. Yeah. And you don't, you don't even derive any joy. You have like this weird misguided responsibility Mm -mm. and you don't need much of it. No, you don't. And it's, it's freeing to be honest with you. It's, you really don't need much, I think, to have a happy life. And when you can keep that perspective in the forefront, I think it sets you free a little bit because you need less, you want less. um, And, and you're just like less on this, like, journey to find this destination that may or may not exist because it's already right here if you just stopped and looked around right 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 absolutely i know i know oh we get i i feel like sometimes i'm just like on autopilot following the advice like i was given when i was a child like stay in school Mm -hmm. behave you know do everything you're supposed to and and everything will work out fine well you know maybe we just need to revisit that (laughs) like just or re-examine it you know like yes i think yeah i think a lot of people forget to ask themselves like what is it that like like i always ask myself so the reason why we did this trip was that I did some like soul searching and on my deathbed, if I haven't seen the world, like shame on me, it will be one of my biggest regrets. Hmm. And I just wasn't willing to like stomach that, you know, I wasn't willing to be there and be like, gosh, dang Kate, you really missed it. Well, good for you for not realizing that on your deathbed, you know, yeah, right. a lot of people do. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people are like, you know, the whole time I wanted to see the world, but I was a CPA or whatever. And like, I think, yeah. So I think the more we can just ask ourselves those hard questions and then even take like baby steps towards like doing them, it kind of breeds like a confidence and like a realization that like, oh no, like 
this is what actually makes me happy. And it doesn't have to be what makes anybody else happy. Right, right. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love that you transmit like these ideas very simply and beautifully in your cards and people find them and then they like transmit it out to others. I mean, it's so beautiful. It really is. Thank you. I'm so glad you say that because it's definitely what I've tried to channel um, with definitely these recent collection or collections is like, mm-hmm. I really like have become this like, um, like an, what is it? What is it when you dig for dinosaur bones? And oh, archaeo- archaeologist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was going like, to say an architect, but this would be. <laughs> is it the anthropology? <laughs> yeah. Words are my strength and also not my strength. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I've beca- like become that with people and humans and words. And I like really like look around and like, gosh, like that word made me feel like a million bucks or, you know, like these heavy, how are people connecting on social media? And like, just like, what are people doing to connect? And like, and I think that's what I've, I'm kind of obsessed with boiling down right now is that just what is the simplest way to connect humans in positive ways? And so what words, what images, what tools, and so um, I'm so glad that you see that in the world. Uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like I'm looking at your feed and, you know, I'm looking at your, this one's only a target. It's <laughs> with a little paper high five for you. Like, how cool is that? Like you have, you know, frozen a paper high five in time <laughs> forever and people can send it in the mail to each other, to distance loved ones, to something someone did last week, you know, that they might've already forgotten about. Like it's so uh, lovely to distill that into, you know, stationary form. So it's just these little things. And that's kind of what I hope, I hope to create product that people will send frequently and, and, and any day of the week. So like, I want you to send things all the time and like get in the habit of being like, Oh my gosh, Sarah is like having a crappy day. Let me just pop this in the mail or like, here's an easy, simple way. Like it's, I guess a manifestation of like me being like, look, happiness is everywhere. And I'm going to give you the tools to like, share it. Right. Right. Like don't wait for Valentine's day. Don't wait mm-hmm. until Mm-mm. our culture tells you it is the time. Now is the Mm-mm. time. It's all around you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it seems simple. And I always think to myself, I'm like, I'm telling people this and there's some days where you just aren't going to have the bandwidth. Right. Like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. There are some days, but I think (laughs) if we can cultivate this this habit of putting kindness into the world, even in tiny ways, I think that it inspires others It inspires others, which inspires others. And I think, you know, it's my tiny way of kind of making the world a kinder place or a happier place. Um, Absolutely. One one cheesy pun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's great. There's so much like, (laughs) I love it. I love it. The world needs more bad puns or good puns. I agree. (laughs) I will take either. (laughs) I'll take either. Look, I mean, there is so much like misery and, you know, uh, strife right now that, you know, those who are trying to bring us together are like the real, you know, they're, they're, they're doing good work uh, and um, really, and, and doing important work too, because uh, I, I just think it, it really makes someone's day to reach out to them. And uh, consumers just have been discovering that in a big way which which is good for all of us Mm -hmm. I agree I think that was one of the silver linings of COVID to be honest with you is I think greeting cards really had a moment where 
I think a lot of us felt helpless. I did at least, you know, I'm like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an emergency worker. Like I literally have no skills, but to like draw a stupid picture. And it felt so like not enough. And I remember though thinking one day, I'm like, no, 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 no. But these greeting cards can get into places where humans cannot right now. They can get into nursing homes. They can get into hospitals and they can, that's magic to me. And, um, you know, they can touch the human that you're wanting to touch. And so I think that greeting cards had a moment and I hope that they continue to have that moment where people are like, just wanting to put a little joy into the world because it's simple and it's easy. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I still say now more than ever, there is something very magical about the idea that I can touch something, write it, send it to you. It is this special thing that happens to you and Mm -hmm. I over time and space. No one else knows about it. There's Mm -hmm. no digital footprint. There's no, unless they're one, unless someone wants to make it their one, you know, but it's, there's something very kind of sacred about that. And I, and I'm glad people are sort of realizing it and uh, cause, cause it's lovely. So me as well, me as well. We had a friend texted me the other day after I said, I was talking about how these folded piece of papers are so magic because people will save them for 50 years in a shoebox. And right. he texted me a video of his shoebox and it like literally like gave me chills of just the things that he had saved in these pieces of paper. And I'm just like, nobody's saving texts in a box. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Wow. Like, I do not have a box of emails. No, no. And I, and you never will. I've never printed out an email unless it's like, I need to work off it or something, you know, like I've never <laughs> saved <laughs> An email. So, yes. I love it. I love it. Someone needs to do a shoebox project where like people like go through their shoeboxes. Maybe that's, that's your think, next, that's your next I brand. Actually, I have that in my sketchbook right now. Yeah. I, I want to do like a little baby podcast where basically we open up our shoeboxes together and, and share what is All right. There. It's funny. I, well, do you want to be on Sarah? <laughs> I have a lot. You're invited. Thank you. I have a lot. I have a lot. I got one letter from my senator that I've saved. Ooh. I have letters from boyfriends in college that don't tell my husband. I, I but I saved it. a lot. Of, you know, you find that stuff. And I have a few. I thank God I saved a few birthday cards from my grandparents because that's the only writing I have. Right. You know, know. So. So anyway, well, this has been a treat. I cannot thank you enough <laughs> for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was so good to catch up with you again. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming by the paper fold. Who knows what dot in this beautiful country she is currently in. And thank you so much for listening. This marks the end of my third season. And with any luck, I'll have made a few tweaks to this podcast when I come back with my fourth season. As always, please email me at sarah at with anything I can do for you. And if you are liking what you are hearing, please subscribe and leave me a stellar rating and review so I can get in good with the podcast algorithm gods. Thank you so much, paper peeps. Please stay well. Mm-hmm.